And hello and welcome everyone to the comic multiverse where the worlds of nerd meet. Madam, so happy to be back again with everyone, especially considering last week. Sorry for having to take it off, everyone. If you didn't know, if you don't follow me on Twitter, uh, I was long overdue for a heart monitor. So I had to wear that for three days. Uh, the doctor wanted to figure out what the hell was going on with me. Uh, we still don't know yet, but uh, I was beat at the end of that, I'm like, uh, I could do the show, but I know I'm not going to be funny or interesting, <laughs> so. And I thought y'all deserved better, especially because uh, there was a lot of good news last week, and there's a lot of good news this week, so we're going to kind of fuse it all together, and you're going to get the best of both worlds in this one. Yeah, and as you said, it gave us also a chance to like watch some of the same TV shows that we'll be yes. talking about a little later on. Absolutely. It uh, gave us the chance to experiment with some stuff, too. Again, for those of you who don't know, the show is officially on Spotify now. As of 2024, people have been asking for it forever, so I finally did it. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people are listening to that already. Thank you. And also experimenting, too, with uploading video versions to YouTube again. Not to the main channel, because YouTube algorithms are still fucky, unfortunately. I would punish my other videos for uploading anything longer than an hour, but you can find video versions of the show over at Cape Joel Extra. Almost 300 people did. That's cool. I don't have a schedule for uploading those videos yet, so don't expect one every week, mister. That was a nice little treat because I had a heart problem. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know when I'm going to start uploading those regularly, but I am, and the hope is is that if we get that channel rolling and buzzing along there, then that will become the main podcast channel, where maybe we'll bring back a Retro Hero video, and maybe I'll start doing interviews again. Yeah, that'll be cool. What, what the hell was I even saying when I started this? Oh yeah, go subscribe to Kate. Yeah, go go subscribe to Cape Joel Extra, everyone. If you haven't already, you'll get video versions of the show at some point. Though, really, the best way to see the show is still to see it how you're doing right now or become a patron because I promise you will get it as soon as humanly possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's what we've been doing. Uh, how was your week there, Matt, uh, when we weren't together? There? Like you said, we had streamed a lot of the same shows. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a pretty busy week for me out of pretty full on week. So I was pretty exhausted by the end of it, but, um, yeah, no, we, we streamed a lot of the same shows. I, I, I'm almost finished Alan Wake 2. I'm, oh, I'm like, right on. I'm like a chapter and a half until I finish that. So I'm looking forward to finishing that probably tonight or tomorrow. Nice. I'm still playing Resident Evil 4 remake. I'm almost at the end of the castle. I'm at like the big castle final fight. Nice. Nice. So I'm having a lot of fun with that, uh, really working my way through my gaming backlog and everything. Uh, we both watched that new TED show mm -hmm. on Peacock, and we were both pleasantly surprised by how good it is. It's like, holy shit, I think, I think Seth MacFarlane might be the one. I think the Orville really creatively recharged him, and now, you know, he's continuing to make things I like. Yeah, he... he it was surprisingly good. I didn't even know it was like a thing until I like saw it pop up on a streaming service. Cause mm -hmm. I hadn't seen any trailers or anything for it. Um, I, yeah, I had, I'd been following it. I, I chucked it on and yeah, it's, it's really funny. It's, it's like almost like, wow, this should always have been like a show. Right. Shouldn't right. it have like the premise works so much stronger as a show. It's funny. Because Ted works really well in episodic formats, being this, like, fucked up Jiminy Cricket, which he even says so himself. The kid they got playing John is good. The the, the whole family is really well cast. 90% of the cast is just people from the Orville, which is the best <laughs> yeah. part. Yeah, it's just his friends. 
yeah, just just his friend, so you can tell he's enjoying it. And also, more than that, there's a real passion in the show for television as a medium. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this is this is what made Family Guy good in the beginning, because you could tell McFarlane was like a guy raised by television who was like giving this love back, and you really see it in the Ted show. There's an episode, it's Halloween night, and they're flipping through the channels, and you see all the shows that were on during that time. Treehouse of Horror, Married with Children, Roseanne, and it's like, oh shit, yeah, these these were the big shows at the time, and this is kind of what the Ted show is trying to ape. Absolutely. It's 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 like a, a like more mature version of like Alf. Yes, very much so. Again, what if what if Alf was filthy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it maybe took him so long to do it on TV, maybe because it's now cheaper to do the Ted CGI because because mm-hmm. he mocaps Ted on the show. Oh, probably, I didn't know that. It's probably cheaper to do it now than it was back when they did the movies in like the early 2010s. I didn't know that he mocap Ted himself. I yeah. did know that the animation is apparently handled by an Australian animation company. Oh, nice. So there you go. So you, your nation has a part in making this as well. <laughs> it's it's also great, too, because McFarlane did this. He did, like, the whole podcast circuit, hyping up the show. And people were sure to ask him about, hey, Orville season four, is it happening? And he said, maybe we're working on it. <laughs> maybe this might spur. This could either be, like, a good or a bad thing, because it could mean that, like, oh, people want more Ted. So I'm going to, like, do some, I'm going to do second season of that and focus on that. Or maybe it would be like, no, we'll do Orville and then Ted. Well, you know what? I, I wouldn't put it past McFarlane because he seems to be a very shrewd businessman. He changed his overall deal from Fox to NBC, Peacock, streaming, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck it is now. It's so hard to keep all these friggin' companies straight. Yeah. And he made something ridiculous. He made like $2 billion or something mm-hmm. changing his overall deal. So clearly he's not afraid to throw his weight around. And I wouldn't be shocked if he said to like Hulu Peacock, yep, you get Ted season two when I get Orville season four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because that kind of seems like how season three happened, because they changed networks, we waited five years, and then holy shit, season three had so much more money behind it. And you could tell as well when when they got to like the big space battles and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. So if he wants to do it bad enough, I would not be shocked if he did it. And clearly he's working with his friends anyway, so why the hell not? Yeah, It's, it's, it's been funny because like he's a guy he's like works with his friends he gets these great deals from like like mm-hmm. uh uh like broadcasters and stuff and it's it's been funny to compare him to taylor sheridan the guy who does uh oh, like yeah. yellowstone and all those shows where like his shows have like steadily declined but like they've been getting more and more expensive and somehow he's mm. like he's costing like paramount like literal billions of dollars because they're buying him ranches and all this sort oh, of, of stuff course, yeah. and it's like it's it's really funny seeing him do the opposite does do seth do the opposite to that guy where it's like he gets paid more but the the output is like better now, now it's funny i was very slow to get into the taylor sheridan verse i uh what is it i really liked his movies that he's written mm-hmm. and everything uh I, I i did enjoy lawman bass reeves did you watch that i haven't no it's pretty enjoyable. It's good. It's it's Agent Callus. It's Agent Callus from Star Wars Rebels is Bass Reeves. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's it's a fun Western series based in some real history. Barry Pepper plays the villain, so he's basically just playing Lucky Ned Pepper from uh, True Grit again. <laughs> but no, it's a lot of fun. He's really good in it. Uh, 
I, I, I think he's producing it. I don't think he's writing it, though, is the thing. I think he handed that off to other people, but I think Which it is, is really part surprising of the Taylor version. Because he was, when the, when the SAG strikes happened, he came out and said, like, I don't need a writer's room. Because he, write, he writes everything. He, he does, yes, he does. And, it, and it shows as well because he doesn't have other people like going over his work. Um, but yeah, he came out and he was against the the strikes and everything. Cause, oh no, like, yeah, because mainly just because it, it like it disrupted his work. Ah, <laughs> uh, that 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 sucks. But I can also totally see it, and I can also see like, hey man, your writing style is really good and really unique. Because basically, basically, it's no frills is the thing mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. I tell I I tell dirt simple stories so we can focus on interesting characters is what it's all about yep. really. King, King Tulsa, perfect example of that. This is you know you couldn't ask for a more simple mobster story, mm-hmm. but you know it's really cool to watch Stallone basically play an aging version of himself. Yeah, yeah, that that was great, but yeah. It's it's uh, going to be interesting to see what these new shows go because in, in the, the new seasons of Yellowstone, which is ending, Kevin Costner's like not in it anymore because he got oh, into no. a big fight, so they got to kill that character off. They there's like rumors Matthew McConaughey's coming in to like take over. And, oh it's, shit! It's like a complete fucking mess now. <laughs> hey hey hey! It's me McConaughey <laughs> in the. <laughs> I'm in this verse now. How about that? <laughs> I'm a graciously agent actor too. I'm in video did you games see... now. <laughs> yeah, did did you see me in that last guy Richie movie? That was pretty good, right? That was pretty good in that. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we were watching a lot of the same stuff. We watched Echo too. Be sure to stick around uh, at the end of our new segment. Matt and I will talk about that. And perhaps it's good we waited two weeks because we are still feeling the ripple effects of Echo two weeks later. <laughs> we are, yes. <laughs> Again, we thought it was the little show that could, and oh boy, did it actually end up being the little show that could. (laughs) But uh, starting things off this week with the news, perhaps the biggest piece of news and the thing that surprised the shit out of me, Jason Aaron will be helming the brand new rebooted Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series for IDW. One, I had no idea that was an option. Two, I didn't even think IDW would be rebooting their Turtles because they've basically been having one solid universe. Yes. That I that I've heard nothing but good things about. Yeah, it's been going for like how many years now? Quite a few. Yeah, like a like a long time. It's, I guess maybe yeah they 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 want it to be a bit more like new reader friendly. This is true, and also you know Turtles is one of those brands that thrives on constant reinvention. Yep thrives on constant reinvention and they have a lot of interesting stuff in multimedia going on because they have uh what is it they have the new movies of course the new tv series starting soon that last ronin video game that's Mm -hmm. supposedly coming out in the not too distant future yeah so maybe now is the good time to hit the refresh button on that and you have to wonder getting someone like jason aaron is it going to be a little bit more adult is it going to be a little bit more you know gritty yeah, I, I don't know because we we recently had a Superman and his Superman was pretty fucking good. And this is true, yes. And it was very much on brand for Superman, so I could see him doing. I mean, maybe they could go away from it because, like, the last couple of years, I haven't been keeping an eye on t- uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles all that much, but it, I felt like it was pretty gritty for the last couple of years, like, or well, more it, gritty than it, it usually would have been. 
it struck a nice balance. It was kind of like Batman, the animated series there, yeah. where it was kind of for everybody. Because I'd always just hear about, like, the Ronin stuff and, like, the far future, you know, Ronin stuff and how grim and gritty that was for the last couple of years. Because there was a couple of Ronin series, wasn't there? Yes, there was. Yeah. Yes, there was a couple back-to-back. Yeah. But yeah, I, I've never been a big Turtle guy. I've always respected it as a brand. I've always respected it, you know, as a fandom that's able to get people in year after year. But now that Jason Aaron's writing it, maybe I'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. And if it's a new start, yeah. Yeah, again, I like that new Transformer start. Mm-hmm. I didn't read the new uh, G.I. Joe stuff, but I thought about Ooh, it's it. it's good. It's good. It is good. I know, uh, what is it, Josh Williamson did uh what is it the cobra commander one and then there was a duke one a couple weeks ago too yeah he did the duke one as well oh shit he did both all right maybe i'll have to sit down and read those yeah yeah and they tie into the transformers book yes in the brand new what is it the ether verse the new robert verse or something yes the energon verse it's all of these things and it's a couple new robert kirkman stuff as well yeah but hey you know what that's not the only uh, old comic franchise getting new breath breathed into it because Mad Cave Studios announced this week that they're going to be printing brand new Dick Tracy stories. And I feel like I had to bring this up because yeah. we did a whole bit on Rutger Howard's insanity keeping control of the movie rights. So I feel like you and I kind of wished this into existence, Matt. <laughs> don't, don't you feel like we kind of wished this into existence? A little bit. I I had actually not long before I actually saw this announcement, been thinking it's like, yeah, where's Dick Tracy comics up to these days? Mm-hmm. Well, now we know Mad Cave Studios. Yeah, they're bringing them back. As they should, because I mean, again, it's right up there as like one of the old pulp classics that's just been sitting there collecting dust. You mean to tell me no writer, no artist has any pitch for this? No one has any <laughs> fresh, new, interesting directions to take this in? Yeah, and and recently we've seen like a uh, resurgence in uh, like pulpy like books. Like there's um, uh, Sean Phillips and fuck, who's the other guy? Like people like Chris Burnham and uh, mm-hmm. the guy who wrote Winter Soldier. I'm blanking on his oh. name. Right? Oh, Brubaker. Brubaker. Yeah, they've been doing like a bunch of like like uh like western pulpy detective stuff you know mm. all, all that sort of stuff the crime novels and crime comics and stuff so there's there's definitely a niche there for it absolutely uh the good asian which was another mm. one too from uh image as well so yeah it's a good time for pulpy stories to make a comeback and i mean friggin' dick tracy is the innovator of many of the tropes that we now take for granted yep and uh, as Cowboy in the chat reminds us, here's hoping it's better than that uh, old Dick Tracy game for the Nintendo. Here's hoping reading the book isn't as hard as the game. It's not as punishing. <laughs> and here's hoping Rutger Howard catches wind of the comics and gets all weird about it. <laughs> That's my hope more than anything. <laughs> that he decides he wants to write one or something because he has a weird sense of ownership has, over it. Has like a, yeah, he, he owns, quote unquote. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, in another piece of news that could be considered a threat, uh, the Madam Webb's uh, movie coming from Sony, we just learned this week that apparently it's set to be the longest superhero film in the Sony Spider-Man Spumpkaverse. No, no. <laughs> yeah, doesn't that sound like a threat? Hey, hey, did you see those international posters that look like shit? Well, guess what? It's going to be the longest now. It's going to be two hours of that. 
Yeah, really, Jesus Christ. Because, you know, that was the real problem with Morbius and the Venom movies and surely the Craven movie as well. There's just not enough of it. Because, <laughs> you know, when I'm sitting in those movies pulling my goddamn hair, and I'm like, man, I really wish there was just two more hours of yeah, this. Yeah, I, w- I wish I could be in here for 40 more minutes. Absolutely. Oh, Kem Doug, you're thinking of Warren Beatty. Yes, I was thinking of Warren Beatty, That's not Rucker Howard. That's different. The guy, yeah. I, 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 I'm missing I'm mixing up my old grizzled actors. Thank you, Kem Dog, for the cor- correction. That's why you're here. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, Rutger Howard is dead. Well, from beyond the grave, he's exerting his control on Dick Tracy, you see. Yeah. His control of G- Dick Tracy knows no bounds of human uh, mm. you know, life. <laughs> yeah, life, death, the universe. He can control it from beyond the grave. It's one of his powers, you see. <laughs> You see, Rutger Howard had many powers. <laughs> he also had a shotgun. <laughs> but yeah, so Madam Web, every, everything I hear about this movie is just fucking hilarious. Like, I can't help but laugh. Did, did you hear they wanted, first they wanted Andrew Garfield to be the Spider-Man of that particular universe, and then that didn't work Naturally. out for some reason, so they went, wanted Tom Holland. But then they <laughs> realized that because the story of Madam Web is set in 2003, tom holland like it wouldn't like fit and they're like oh Oops. okay i'm like how do you not realize that when you're writing these fucking films yeah how do you not realize that and if that's a problem why are you still making it <laughs> why are you still making it then if you didn't fix any of these problems <laughs> jesus christ uh, again, a- 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 everything about this feels like an elaborate con. Everything about Madam Web feels like a money washing scheme, doesn't it? It does, yes. <laughs> like seriously, if they just came out at the premiere and they're like, "Gotcha," I'd be like, you know what, respect. <laughs> Why not? Already, like you. the the lead actresses like talking about how like psychotic it was to film because it was all done on like blue screens and whatnot. Oh Christ! Yeah, that's always well, a good sign when the film before the film comes out. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You'll love to hear it. And I mean, uh, I could tell from looking at the trailer that, yeah, this looks like a movie that was done in very limited takes. It looks like the actors definitely knew what was going on at all times. (laughs) He knew my mother. They researched spiders in the Amazon together (laughs) before she died. I don't know if you knew that, but I really needed to get that stunted piece of dialogue out of my mouth. You know it's bad, and I know I said it before, but it bears repeating all the same, you know, frothing at the mouth, rage-baiting, you know, friggin' anti-fandom grifters that normally have their knives out whenever there's a brand new anything starring a woman in the nerd sphere. Notice none of them have any shit to say about this right now, because even they don't feel threatened by Madam Web. And they're fragile as fucking tissue paper, and they're yeah. like, "Yeah, we." They, but Ma- Madam Web doesn't need us kicking it when it's down. Yeah, well, they know it won't get them clicks if they. they yeah, if they, they, go, if they go like Madam Web is shit. Everyone just go go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, we're going now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bye. <laughs> Again, even they know that no one could even uh, what is it feign interest in this, and so they are also not feigning interest in it. <laughs> But you know it is interesting, Matt? What's going on in the world of the Daredevil show? Mm. Uh, again, after Echo aired, everyone was shocked and surprised, but probably shouldn't have been, when it was announced that Foggy Nelson and Karen Page will be set to return in Daredevil Born Again, despite the fact that before they took the show back to zero, it was a big deal that they were not. 
they not only were they not returning but it was apparently uh evident that they were killed off screen before oh, the, no. before the show started oh shit yes. that seems petty <laughs> yes yeah very <laughs> But thankfully, that didn't need to happen anymore because, hey, what a difference a day makes and what a difference does, you know, the positive general reaction to Echo and the Daredevil characters and indeed the Daredevil verse make. Didn't didn't they make a big deal, too? They're like, oh, it's it's finally in canon now. The Daredevil Netflix show. I'm like, wasn't it always? Yeah, I always thought it was. Yeah, it was. I mean, he should freaking Matt Murdock is in that Spider-Man movie. He's there. Yeah, he he's in She-Hulk. They use his theme song from the Netflix show in that show. Yeah. K- Kingpin is in the Hawkeye show. I assumed <laughs> it always was canon. But of course, you know, multiverses, TV, you could be like, yeah, it's in continuity. Like, you know, those characters exist, but they're not like a hundred the characters from the netflix show and even watching the echo show there's a couple things where i'm like wait does this take place in the timeline of events and shouldn't shouldn't wesley be here and like okay you know what it's fine i'm not i'm not gonna pull the strings on that sweater too hard because you know what comics don't even get that shit right a hundred percent of the time yeah yeah I'm I'm just too mesmerized by Vincent D'Onofrio's performance right now to care, and I'm too hyped for this fight scene, so, you know, I'm not going to ask too many hard questions. <laughs> it's the definition of don't look a gift horse in the mouth, or in this case, don't look a gift devil in the mouth in this case. Look, you, you got the best of both worlds. You got a cool new Daredevil show, you got crossovers, and you're going to be getting his supporting cast back. Yep. It's literally win-win for everybody. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You got everything. I think the the new retooling of the show is going to have less episodes than it originally, because originally it was like eighteen episodes, which even I thought was quite quite long. Yes, it was something quite excessive. And uh, Christos Gage, who was writing on the show, pretty well known comic book writer, also writes for like Law and Order and everything. Mm-hmm. He said, "Where it's like, yeah, you know what? Even I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I had written like four scripts for them that were in production, and like Matt didn't even put the costume on once. It was very like." procedural heavy which could work which like could work for daredevil i'm not gonna sit here and say it couldn't work but like really four 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 of at where he doesn't even put on the costume and it's all just law and order stuff i mean okay that's it sounds like what like kind of she hulk should have been (laughs) yeah right but wasn't yeah yeah but um I, i think it's been cut down to like 13 or something so like a nice manageable season which is perfectly fine because as we'll talk about with Echo, that was fine and that was a perfect length for the story they were telling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In fact, it was so breezy and so much to the point when I sat there and watched it, I'm like, you probably could have done this as like a two-hour special movie two hour on movie. here. Yeah. Like, like there, you probably could have made like a really strong movie out of this if you wanted, but also I can see why you did five because you got to work in more flashbacks and everything because that tied to the bigger story of them changing the powers and like, oh, we're we're all echoes of our past and our ancestors. And I'm like, OK, you're kind of making it work, making it work. Yeah, you're, you're making it work here. Again, I'm not going to get too pissed at you here because it seems like you did actually try and buckle down and try and make the most of this. And also it means we get to like spend more time with the cast and the fucking cast of that show was great because it's just, hey. Here's here's every hardworking native person in Hollywood right now. All of them. Yeah, you've seen them all before, and here they are all in one show. I I can't believe that, like, half the cast of Echo is just half the people from Reservation Dogs. (laughs) 
it's like they literally went down to that show and it's like, hey, can we have like half your people? Cool. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll talk about Echo later when we get there. Uh, more good TV news here. Uh, despite what a lot of alarmists on the internet would have you believe, Ahsoka season two is gonna be a thing. It's gonna be a thing. Yeah, I feel I'm be a fucking course. It was gonna be a thing. Yeah, was there ever any doubt, again, unless you're like some sort of anti-fandom grifter, it's a Dave Filoni thing, it's his baby, it's his thing, he has more power now than ever, of course we're getting a second season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you miss all the stuff that was unresolved at the end of season one? <laughs> so yeah, we're definitely getting one. Should be cool, excited to see where it goes, love the cast, love the Rebels connections, of course. They will probably have to do something about Balin. They will definitely need to recast that character because clearly there's a lot of big connective tissue there and implications that they are going to need to do something about. Yeah, I I, I hope they do actually recast and like don't just breeze over his story or I don't, yeah. I don't know, God forbid, try some fucking deep fake fucking thing. Yeah, let's not do that again. Let's yeah. let's respect the dead. Yeah, just, Again, just there's, recast, cast, uh, fuck, what's the guy's name? Graham McTavish, he played the gunslinger in Preacher. Ooh, yeah, he was good. Yeah, he and he looks kind of like uh, Ray Stevenson a little bit as well. Or uh, can we get the actor who replaced Ray Stevenson in Thor when they replaced him in The Warriors 3 and people didn't notice? They didn't replace him, he's one who didn't get replaced. Oh, right, he's the other, yeah, because you Z couldn't Z replace Z Ray Z Stevenson. Zachary Le Levy replaced the guy who played whatever his character's name was. Yes, well, definitely don't get Zachary Levy to replace him, please. <laughs> no, he's probably Let's... begging David F. Sandberg for a job in that Until Dawn film he's making. <laughs> yeah, really. But yeah, the, it, again, there was like so many questions left at the end of Ahsoka, like, hey, you know the meta-narrative we've been dealing with basically since the early days of Rebels about the origins of and what it all means well here we are on the planet where we could potentially explain the meta origins of the force yeah. and we're gonna do it next season yeah and then this could also probably tie into that james mangold film mm, quite possibly fandle the dashing yes that was the one i That's knew it was fan something i was gonna call him fandrel but like obviously that wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and hey, that's not the only Star Wars news because it was also announced The Mandalorian and Grogu getting their own movie. You love them on Disney Plus. Now they're coming to the big screen. They're coming to the, and they were quick to also say that oh, this is happening and season four is happening as well. Yes, yes, good, thank you. I have to imagine season four will happen first and it'll lead into the film. Yeah, I imagine so. Also, man, what are they going to do for a movie? Because it felt like the show was really unencumbered to do whatever the hell it wanted. So you figure if they're moving it to the big screen, it's got to be because they have something, you know, big left in the tank. Is this is this going to be the big one? Is this going to be the one that ties Thrawn and Rebels and everything else together? I, is this going to be the big one? I don't think it's going to, because that's, that's Dave Filoni's film that's going to be doing Right, this. of course. This one's directed by John Favreau, but I have to imagine this would be like, similar to like a part one to that where it'll lead mm, into right. that. yeah most certainly like like it, it, might, it's like also... it might might uh free day filoni up for, instead of having to work with the mandalorian and grogu and that side to keep him with like the ahsoka crew so then john favreau does all the build-up with the mandalorian stuff and he doesn't have to worry quite possibly about that. 
Quite possibly. It'll also be interesting, too, because this is, like, the first time this has happened. This is a character that was, well, two characters, Grogu and Din, who have been born on television, who have been, you know, adopted by people in the streaming age and everything, who have really come to, you know, love and admire their adventures and everything. I, I guess this will be cool to see where it's like, okay, so are they going to be following in droves? To the theaters, like, obviously it was always going to do good just on the merit of being Star Wars, but this will be interesting to be like, okay, here's our first original characters of this age that are now going to the movies, and what's that going to translate into? And if so, will we be seeing more things like this in the future, where TV is more like a test kitchen for something that could be a movie? Yeah, I think that'd be... If it is popular, I guarantee you, you will see more like of these shows, like transition into a film, like a one-off film or something. Hey, what about that Andor guy? They should do a movie with that Andor guy, maybe. <laughs> maybe, uh, may- maybe him and some other people steal the Death Star yeah, plans, oh, but then they all good. die tragically. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, like even with Andor, they could do like, um, uh like in the same vein like more stuff to do with the rebel alliance like like in the comics at the moment there's there's a group that uh charles soul made called the pathfinders who are, who are like mm. like spies like spec op spies for the rebellion still movie about oh, them cool. you know i thought you were gonna say they should just re-release rogue one but call it Andor the movie and see if anyone notices a- and or rogue one <laughs> Oh my god, could you imagine the fucking brass balls that would take you loved the Andor show. Now you love the Andor movie. And it's just got like some deleted scenes put back into it. Yeah. It's it's like when they did um uh Endgame when they re-released Endgame in cinemas with yeah, like, yeah. that Hulk scene where it's like not completed Hulk CGI and it's just terrible. Andor, the special editions coming soon. <laughs> Yeah, Kaku blinks fun. now. <laughs> oh shit, man! That's that's what we need. That's what we need, ma'am. I'd see it. I'd see it nine times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the problem with having such a cool, interesting show be a prequel for a character who we know ultimately doesn't make it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, what if we just follow Diego Luna around with a camera for a little bit and see what happens? <laughs> And we just put that and we call it uh, Andor the movie, but it's really just, you know, shot gorilla stuff footage of Diego Luna as he's just like eating a sandwich and paying his taxes and shit. <laughs> and then it ends with him finally seeing me and be like, what are you doing? Uh. <laughs> Great movie. Smash cut. <laughs> the end. But yeah, this will be very interesting uh, for the future of Star Wars projects like this, because now we are finally seeing things coming off streaming and coming to the theater. And I wonder what that will mean. Mm, mm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to I, And I like which projects we're actually meant for Disney Plus are going to suddenly transition into like, oh, we're not doing Disney Plus anymore. It's just going to go to theaters. Right, because that kind of seems to be the way things are blowing, where it's like, okay, all of us legacy networks and everything, we put way too much faith in streaming and we kind of got bit and we kind of got caught lying about numbers and everything and like regardless of quality we're putting out too much for people to watch Mm. we kind of need to put these back in theaters again hey you know uh what is it maybe that jude law thing should be a movie uh maybe that uh sith sisters thing should also probably be a movie now maybe maybe we should make movies again (laughs) 
because I know you and I had this conversation for a while where it's like, well, we love all these Star Wars streaming shows and we think it's super cool to get to live in this world and see different sides of it and everything. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's like, you're going to have to start making movies again, right, guys? Because, like, this was a movie franchise. Yeah, I, I kind of miss going to the cinemas in December, you know, midnight screening of a new Star Wars film. Right. Oh, yeah, then there's that Lando show from, uh, what's his name, that still Donald Glover. might be a thing. Yeah, and, like, it was supposed to be a show, then it was supposed to be a movie, now it might be a movie again, and they don't seem to know what it's going to don't, be. Yeah, yeah. There's also, um, it's definitely going to be a show, It's because it, I think it's been filmed, it's called A Droid Story, it's like, I think it's like a CGI quasi-live-action oh. stuff, stuff to do with, like, C-3PO and all that sort of stuff. Oh, um, that could be cool. But yeah, I don't know what the fuck's happening with that, because that was announced ages ago. Right. Huh. Uh, Brandon Williams helping us out in the chat. Is there a new Jedi Council? Oh, yeah. Was that supposed to be... Was Jedi Council a thing? No, I think he's just asking, if, is there a new... In Ray... Whatever Ray's new Jedi Oh, oh yeah. I, I would I imagine mean, there would be. We just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see. How would you change up the Jedi Council, Matt? How would you make it not repeat the mistakes of the past? <laughs> Probably not just have one. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be a bad idea, this whole council thing in general. Yeah. Uh, what about Jedi President? Who wants to run for Jedi President? Jedi President. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that, that'll be a better system. Then we'll have the Jedi Senate, where, you know, you put your Jedi reforms in there. <laughs> or maybe we pick it like the pope you know we do that who gets to be jedi pope no i think that's what got them in trouble the last time jedi popes <laughs> let's let's maybe try and distance it as far as we can from the catholic church <laughs> <laughs> i think i think that was the problem getting people with powers telling them they couldn't love that was a bit of a problem yeah yeah <laughs> there has to be a better system that's all the ray movie is going to be it's just going to be her flying around the universe being like there's gotta be a better system i'd be all for it say why is every system doomed to fail why why has every government in this universe that wasn't backed by space wizards why did it all fall apart in five years because <laughs> it wasn't backed by space wizards <laughs> Clearly, like, like that's the whole thing with Mando, and I love Mando, but I kind of hate the subtext here, where it's like, oh yeah, well, of course the New Republic was doomed to fail. Didn't have enough Jedis. Needed more Jedis behind it with their laser swords. That's the problem. That's why the old Republic were hit for as long as it failed because it didn't have cool lightsaber fights every lunchtime. Basically, yeah, that kind of seems to be the takeaway from it. And, and that really bugs my shit. Like, yeah, you know, fascism, you know, space fascism just festers when there's not enough laser swords around. <laughs> a laser sword society is a polite society, don't you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there's some Star Wars news sounding good. And uh, speaking of streaming TV, more good news. James Gunn says that Peacemaker Season 2 is already half written, which is pretty impressive because he's overseeing the rest of the DC universe. I'm glad mm. he's not resting on his laurels and being like, oh yeah, this is one of those things that made me in the running in the first place to run all of this. Yeah, and I, I assume we're going to see this probably in sometime in 2026 after, after he's done Superman. Probably. Ooh, I, uh, what is it? I also, uh, in preparation for this, I actually read the first issue of that Peacemaker Black Label series, Peacemaker Tries Hard. Yeah. It's just the show. Yeah. It's, it's just the show. It goes for even lower hanging fruit, and I should hate it, but it's genuinely a lot of fun. 
Nice, nice. I know in um uh his his most recent appearance in Beast World, I'm like that's the first time I've seen him where he's basically just been John Cena. Yeah, he he's he's just John mur- murders chunks fucking family <laughs> and then tries yep, to he's apologize just... for it. Yep, he's just he's just being John Cena now, which is fine by me. It works. Here's a character who didn't do shit for decades. Now he can just live on as John Cena, and I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah. Hustle, loyalty, peacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess with that, we can talk about Echo before we talk about what we read this week. Obviously, it uh, debuted last week. I got to watch all five episodes in one sitting because, yeah, it's... It's just that kind of show. It's a real breezy kind of watch, and I can see on one hand, you know, why obviously so many people are reacting so positively to it, and also why Disney Plus was kind of fucking scared of the show, and why they dumped it all at once. And I think it's for completely superficial reasons. It's, oh no, we cast a deaf mute woman in the lead. That means there's long stretches with no talking. <laughs> but it works. And it does. In fact, it's really clever how the writers get around that using texts, using advanced technology, using just looks and sign and everything else. And it looks like the actors committed to learning sign. Yeah, yeah. In fact, hey, it becomes a big uh, story point later on that Kingpin doesn't learn sign. Yeah, because it's not a business you know, deal or you know, something to do with his business. He doesn't give a shit. Yes, and because maybe he doesn't actually, you know, love Maya as much as he claims to do. Oh, because, you know, he's not her real family. He only sees himself in her because he's kind of a malignant narcissist. <laughs> uh, Tevya, any opinion on Ultimate Spider-Man being a success? Uh, we'll talk about that when we talk about comics week. We'll look yeah. in that direction because obviously it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. But yeah, the Echo show, basically it's exactly what the trailers promise. It's Echo fresh off the end of hawkeye in fact they use uh what is it <laughs> massive chunks of the yeah. hawkeye show in this that first episode is like half like like flashbacks to the hawkeye show really which which is hilarious but it also totally reminds me of comic books where it's like look you probably didn't read this book so here's just an abridged version of it <laughs> We we don't know if you watch the Hawkeye show or not, but we don't want it to stop you from watching this because you heard Daredevil and Kingpin are in this. So here's here's just huge chunks of shit we shot for Hawkeye in this. <laughs> that that first episode is actually really clever writing too, because hey, it's Maya's life beginning, during, and after the events mm-hmm. of Hawkeye. I'm like, oh, that's actually really hard to do, and you actually do it. Yeah, yeah, and we see that transition of like how she be- she became that that woman we saw in in hawkeye and then obviously we follow her after it where she returns mm. home after supposedly killing fisk yes and they change a few of things from the comics which we yeah. already knew was coming in the show she's part of the choctaw tribe which in fact a lot of this show is influenced by choctaw legends and stories that i had never heard before so they were all new to me in the book i think she was part of the cheyenne but like ben just didn't know the difference yeah yeah in fact, I think Bendis calls her dad, like, Crazy Horse Lincoln. I'm like, ah, so the one native criminal gets called Crazy Horse, huh? Because that's the one name you know, huh? All right. <laughs> it's the first search result. First search result. That's why I think her brother, or his brother, gets called Black Crow Lincoln in the show. I'm like, fair enough. Also, in the book, she gets Lopez from her mother, but in the show, her dad and brother's last name is Lopez. Yeah, yeah. 
which which seem like odd changes, but then you remember, oh, they're actually trying to draw a straight line between her mother and grandmother because it's all about the heritage of the women in her family because that's what makes up the Echo because every single episode opens with, like, a different chapter of Choctaw history and how they manage to, you know, trace their magic spirit powers for the show. Yeah, I, I loved all of that stuff. All, all, all that stuff it, in the first episode, it felt like, like where you see, like, the first Choctaw people. It, mm-hmm. I, I liked that it, 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 it was, like, it, like, looked weird. Like, it wasn't like your usual, Very. like, they, they looked like aliens. The, yes, it, they did. It's it, so cool. It, it totally smacks any expectations you have in the face in the first 10 seconds mm. where you're like, hey, whatever you think this show's about, uh, it's not. Yeah, yeah. And all the stuff as well when uh, when they're playing that, um, I don't know what the game is, it's like that soccer with the sticks. Lacrosse thing, yeah. Yeah, I, I love the way that was shot as well with like that weird sort of like fisheye sort of lens. Yes, there's a lot of really interesting creative choices in the show. Also, too, hey, uh, when they were playing that game, we get to see a native megastructure, which is something yeah. you don't see very much in shows and television, even though they totally existed. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, you know, people who are always talking shit about native peoples being like, oh, we brought society and we brought culture to them. They didn't have buildings and cities before. So, yeah, they did, motherfucker. They totally did. Yeah, yeah. They're not, you know, the usual, they're not living in like, uh, what is it, teepees or uh, yeah. anything like that. It's, that was a big fucking house. Yeah, yeah. They had cities. They had commerce and like yeah. sports and everything, yeah. too. That's total revisionist ass history written by colonizers. Uh, another cool thing about this show, too, is uh, Echo, they are really not afraid to make her an anti-hero's anti-hero. She is, like, n- not a good person, not looking to be a hero for a good chunk of this series. Her whole deal in the beginning is she wants to lay low so she can go back to New York and take mm-hmm. over Kingpin's empire. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense because, you know, she wasn't a hero when we saw her and she basically needs to reacclimate to her culture, to her family and kind of figure out who she is all over again. And it works, especially because they let her be so brutal in the beginning. She's always pulling out her gun. Yeah, and I, I like that they don't go out of their way to, um, like, redeem her either where no. it's like not by the end of the series she's like ah oh, she's a hero she's gonna be on the avengers and stuff like no she's still mm-hmm. very much a bad guy the only the only thing is that like the things she's like disrupting or the people she's going after are just other villains yeah she's she's on a journey she's still very much on a personal journey and i liked that to let their character be messy and be complex in a way that we're not used to in stories like this mm-hmm and also to, to again, have her be, you know, a woman missing a leg, a Native woman who is, uh, what is it, mute and deaf and everything, and not be precious with her at all. Mm-hmm. They let her be hard around the edges and everything and let her kick a lot of ass. I know the trailers made a big deal like, oh, this is a lot more violent than the Marvel shows you're used to. It is and it isn't. The violence yeah. is kind of front uh, is front loaded in the first couple episodes. The, the more the show went on, I'm like, how is this rated? What was it like rated MA or something? Or, yeah. Like, how is this like not not violent at all? Really, it, it was pretty toned down. It's it's all in episode one. Yeah. It's all in her origin, working for Kingpin, where we see her break some necks, get into some very brutal John Wick esque fights, including a really great one 
against Daredevil, which fits perfectly because yeah, Echo was a Daredevil villain when she started. Yeah, and uh, again, that's that's front loaded as well because that's in the first like ten minutes of the first episode, and you don't see him again at all. <laughs> It is. And I, as soon as I thought that, I'm like, wow, Kingpin and Daredevil all in the first episode. They are not fucking around at all in this. And again, good. Thank you for respecting my time show. I appreciate that. Because how many of these other shows have we just sat around and we're like, oh, when are we going to fireworks factory? When are we going to get to the thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they give it to you nice and early, and then you get to cool down, and you get to meet her family. You get to meet Graham Greene, who's just amazing in fucking everything. He's just so a living good. legend. Oh, so good as her grandpa. You get, uh, what is it, Biscuits, who's probably one of my favorite new comedy supporting characters. Is that Biscuits. just because he, like, looks like us as well? Yeah, that probably helps. <laughs> where I'm like, ooh, ooh, uh, uh, average Marvel enjoyer, everyone here. It's us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's nice to finally, you know, feel represented myself as a chubby dweeb with a chin beard in something, because if I was in this show, I would be Biscuit. <laughs> hey, but Biscuit is helpful, and he has a big heart, and hey, dumbass Biscuits knows how to sign, but Kingpin doesn't, because Biscuits actually cares. He cares, yeah. And then he had to sell his PlayStation, you know, because he also cared. <laughs> You know, the, the the hardest, most emotional moment in the show when a man must part with his PlayStation. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, you get Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin, who is in so much of the show as yeah. he kind of needs to be, because this story they're adapting is straight from the books. And Kingpin was a huge part of it because it happened in a Daredevil book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once uh, he, he gets out of the hospital... Uh, and he gets his eye fixed. I like that as well. They they don't make a big deal about it, but they make a deal about like, no. oh, he has access to like pretty cutting edge technology with like he's got like a like an eye patch thing that's like healing his eye. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like a tech eye patch, and then he's got like the the sign stuff later on. They just don't make a big deal about it. Like he they don't yeah. say like, oh, he stole it from Shield or Stark. Hammer he's like, or something. Oh, he had it made because he has fuckloads of money and pull with people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can get your bulletproof suits, then surely yeah. you can get this shit as well. Yeah. Which is also always good to see. And, you know, D'Onofrio just acting his fucking ass off here, and they zero in on kind of a brilliant idea for this, where it's like, yeah, Maya in this universe is Fisk's child, and Fisk is really torn up about his relationship with her, A, because he has a weird relationship with all the women in his life, what with killing his father to save his mother, and then everything with Vanessa. So just weird relationship with the women in his life, and now he has this horrible feeling where, oh my god, I'm becoming my father, I killed my father, and now my adopted daughter tried to kill me, am I my dad now? So when he goes after her it, you get this like really great feeling that D'Onofrio sells the shit out of where he's like I don't even know what I'm going to do yeah I could kill her I could not I don't, yeah it's like I want us to come back together and be a family because if we're enemies then it proves something truly horrible to myself where now mm -hmm. I where I kind of feel like the villain <laughs> where yeah. I can't deny it anymore <laughs> and the scenes with them together is amazing and it's also like wow you know this really helps establish echo in this universe as kind of like a big you know spoke on which all of this stuff is turning especially because kingpin doesn't have richard he doesn't have butch in this universe maya is his kid and i'm like there's so many more stories you could tell here with this actually yeah I, you have to wonder whether they'll bring any of those characters in at some like maybe like 
he 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 he'll try again to like right. get what he had with Maya with someone else and try and, and be a bit more hands on with them, and that leads to like right. Butch or something. Yeah, that would be very cool. You definitely have some stuff to pull from the books there. Again, to you know how I mentioned, I like that they're not afraid to not be precious with Maya. They show as a little kid, she is an unrepentant psychopath, oh and that's God, what. Yeah. When she's beating up that shitty ice cream man and Fisk is like, oh, oh, I see something in this kid. I was just taking care of you because, but now I actually see something in you. I could hone you into a weapon and a weapon she becomes because she's actually able to stand toe to toe in a fight with Daredevil. Yeah. yeah, And I like that Fisk makes a uh, a point to say that like, not many of these men have been able to do that. Mm-hmm. Again, it all it all kind of works. It all kind of fits together. It's it's riveting. It's riveting in a way that I think some of these shows struggle to be. Where like other shows are like, well, that was fun. That was exciting. I had a good time with this. With Echo, like I'm actually like I to use a shitty term. I'm actually leaning in to where I'm like, what? They're acting their asses off in this. They're really going to some shocking places here. And again, you don't know where they're going with the characters. It almost feels like Echo embraces heroism kind of by accident. And because, you know, she gets the beautiful mom where she gets to basically go back in time and talk with her mother and alleviate her guilt over the accident. And again, this this feels like a classic thing we're getting now in so many forms of media where it's like, hey, we're fixing familial trauma, especially in women. Yes, yes, it does. Again, it's yes. it's our big turning red, everything everywhere, all at once, Miss Marvel moment, where it's like this this is the wish fulfillment now, clearly of a lot of women who are writing media like this. Now it's like don't don't you wish you could have uh, made things right with your mother? And I'm just like, Yeah, I, I do actually. Yeah, this 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 works. Like I know you're all doing it, but like it but it fucking works for a reason. Yeah, it works. It's really good and yeah, it leads to some really great stuff with Meyer in those last couple of episodes. It is. Even the final battle is interesting because mm. I, I think I think the final battle too is the thing that probably scared the shit out of them as well. Where it's like, what do you what do you mean the hero wins the day not by actually fighting their enemy, but by showing mercy and living up to the theme of healing that's been going on all throughout the show by forgiving Kingpin and also trapping him in the moment of his own trauma and forcing him to confront his own abusive father and the fact that he has become his own father. <laughs> It, you know, in the ultimate, you know, journey of Echo going from uh, killer to healer. Killer to healer, yeah. Killer to healer. And the fact that that clearly affected Kingpin so differently where he's like, wow, I got to do something absolutely different now. I can't keep living my life the way I was. I'm going to run for mayor and we're going to do the whole series moving forward. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to run for mayor because that was a recent comic book stuff. <laughs> Yeah, which is fine by me. Hey, maybe they can use Muse. Muse is a fucking great villain I'd love I've, to see I've on heard, TV. I've heard rumors that he isn't going to be in the Daredevil series, yeah. Which, Muse is great too, because there's very little written about him. He's in that run. We don't know his name. We don't mm -hmm. know his origin. We just know he's scary as fuck. Yep. And he doesn't have too hard a design if they no. wanted to put him in TV. Not at all. He could be an Inhuman. He could not be an Inhuman. Who cares? <laughs> He'll be whatever Miss Marvel is right now. An inhuman, sure. mutant human thing, yeah. Jin. <laughs> Jin. It's not important. doesn't come up that much. But yeah, what, what, what a bold choice to end your big superhero action series by rejecting the call to violence and embracing healing, keeping with the cultural practices here and everything. And when I watch that, I'm like, this is going to piss off people who 
paying attention, I can just tell. Yep. yep. I saw I saw the one of the one of those fucking grifter channels were like getting all upset because they thought that Maya being, you know, a deaf mute woman who has a uh uh, prosthetic. A, a prosthetic leg and is uh of color uh is coming to be a new hero in marvel and they're like oh this is the state of marvel I'm like this character has existed for over a decade yeah forever <laughs> for real they were in marvel ultimate alliance uh, you know these this is not a new character <laughs> that just sh- I, and it was I, one of those one of those channels that like dubbed themselves you know like the comic book guy or you, you know one of those guys whatever like, say, they are, the say they are a comic book uh reader but they're clearly not yeah who clearly don't know shit and forever show their own ass what, what do we think of the costume too i thought it was pretty cool and at the same time too i'm like yeah i guess you needed to change it because literally her comic costume is just ripped clothes and feathers though mm-hmm. i would have liked them to have incorporated the handprint somewhere it apparently doesn't need to they, be on they, her face apparently she had makeup but they cut it from the show because there's like behind the scenes pictures with her with makeup on like the the tribal makeup on and everything that's uh, i just like work the hand in somewhere now again i don't know a lot about the choctaw maybe it's not a choctaw thing maybe it is a cheyenne thing but it's like oh it's it's her most recognizable thing from the book you Mm. went you did so much work that i really respect recontextualizing the name echo surely you can recontextualize the hand yeah yeah the no I, i like the costume it does when it's static it looks quite bulky but then when she like the balloon she gets into the fight scenes it looks like fine right yeah i thought the same thing also too it's like i I, I can understand you don't want to be stereotypical because you're actual native peoples and everything not one feather i i know it's in her costume in the comic and i'm just being a stickler for friggin comic thing but it's like not one hand not one okay that's fine again i'm just a stupid white guy don't listen to me i'm sure this was like a bit i'm sure there's so much cultural stuff that went into it that i don't even know but I'm just like, just just one, just a little one. She, she can do the thing that Spectrum does in the new Marvels movie where she like has the feather but then takes off because it's like, nah, not for me. I, I mean, or I'm, like, sh- yeah. I'm sure the next time we see her, she's going to have like a, a an updated costume. So who knows? Because they, they always do. Yeah. Because you sell more figures that way. Yeah. yeah. Again, you always got to update it. But yeah, Echo was very cool, and uh, seeming by the general reaction, a lot of people really dug it because it was easy to digest, easy to binge, and was, you know, anchored by some truly amazing performances, both from Maya herself and, of course, the return of Wilson Fisk Kingpin, who is just good at everything to the point that I think that's changed so many things at Marvel TV right now. It's like, oh, people like Daredevil, huh? We should do more Daredevil things, probably. I also hope they get get from this that like not everything needs to tie into your big fucking secret yeah. wars, yeah. whatever the fuck you're doing. Don't you don't need to put oh Maya now has to fight the 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 coming incursion or something. So like, no, or you don't something. need any of that shit. Yeah, you can just you can just do interesting one shots. You can just do standalones. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. They will be judged solely on their own merit, and also by you know what connective cameos you can also get to. Because let's not let's not also kid ourselves. Echo sold itself really hard on you. Oh, yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio was here, yeah, but he was, and it was great. And they ended up working really well together. So like, yeah, yeah. they also teased the fuck out of that daredevil thing. And like, yeah, it was one scene in the first 10 minutes of the, of the show. Which honestly, maybe that should be the way they do it. Moving forward, get your cameo shit out of the way in episode one. 
Yeah, no, you got to have that build up where it's like, oh, we got six episodes and then episode five ends with the cliffhanger that, I don't know, Iron Man turns up or something. Or some shit, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I I enjoyed Echo because, again, it was brisk, easy to digest, Mm -hmm. you know, deeper in certain ways than you don't normally get from these. This is like an actor's acting show. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's pretty good. You know, let's let's not be afraid to do more of these. You have a lot more street level characters who probably don't need whole movies or don't need eight episodes. So, you know, let's let's keep this Marvel spotlight thing going. Do, do you think this will also uh, warm them to the idea of like dropping multiple episodes at once? God, I hope so, because I really enjoy Because I liked the show. I don't know if I would have liked it nearly as much as I did if I had to wait week to week. Yeah, no, I, I definitely couldn't have done that. It was very good in one sitting because, yeah, I think there's certain heroes who would be really great in this format. Hey, you, you have uh, what is it? Freaking Ghost Rider, don't you? Mm-hmm. Imagine Ghost Rider in this format. Five really good episodes of Ghost Rider. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And even like like the Echo Show, each episode could be about a different Ghost Rider. Ooh, I like that, too. That's that's your wraparound. That's how we learn about the Ghost Rider throughout the history of the world and everything. Oh, I dig that. Yeah. Hey, when you eventually decide to do Iron Fist again, hopefully with a new actor, this would also be really good in five episodes because it means you can't fuck around with extraneous side plots, which was always my problem with the Netflix era of Marvel shows. The actual superhero, supervillain stuff was great, but you would have to, like, sit through several hours of extraneous bullshit with people who weren't superheroes and villains that i could not have given less of a shit about iron fist was famous for that yeah well as well that that was because of its producer as well who was uh, also that notorious like penny pincher and everything also that and i mean even like the first season of luke cage kind of did that too season two did much better but still hell again uh punisher when you figure out what you're doing with punisher also punisher only needs five episodes to be great every episode could be a standalone even all he has to do is kill a bunch of criminals that's all he has to do that's all we want like have like half an episode where he gets like really sad and starts like drinking and thinking about his his wife and kids that's about it yeah, that's basically all you need. And then, you know, he fights the super henchman at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. He fights, you know, like fucking bushwhackers. You can do a whole yeah. goddamn five episode arc of Punisher where he it ends with him fighting fucking bushwhacker. Yeah, bring, what was his name? Kevin Nash back as the Russian. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Nash, please. Uh, I mean, I think his quads would explode. <laughs> I think his quads would explode if he did. I think he's a little too old. There's lots of big guys we can get to be the Russian. Hey, uh, get Rusev from AEW. He's not like big, big, but he's like big around and can yeah. actually wrestle. Or, or, or that guy that uh, played uh, the mountain on uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. He's a power lifter. He's really yes. good. Yeah. He doesn't have to act. He just has to be big and yeah, muscly and yell. John Bernthal around. I know John Bernthal's not exactly a tall dude. So No. Dr. Weird saying the actress playing Echo was pregnant while filming the show. Seriously. Oh, shit. Well, I will be damned. Damn. Again, she's she's good. She's good. Very good with facials. And I like it, too, uh, again, in terms of, like, representation when she's signing, but she's also speaking a little when she's signing, where yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm mute, I mute, but even mute people aren't 100% mute. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Again, it's dispelling, like, a lot of stereotypes, and I think that's very cool. I like it when shows do that. Yeah. 
But yeah, that was Echo. A lot of fun. I hope they learn more from this, and I hope they don't get scared of this one, because that was the general feeling I got with Echo. They're like, oh no, we made this show, and we're kind of terrified of what we made. Yeah, but seemingly, since everyone likes it, it's led to, like, this whole... I mean, I think they were restructuring regardless, but, like... Anyway, yeah. But, like, yeah, it seems to, like, have really, like, shepherded where, like, Daredevil and all these other shows are going to be heading now. They're like, okay, this show was always going to show us the line. Okay, these are where the lines are. Cool, they're actually further than we thought they were. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can get away with more. It's fine. And also, I think people just liked it because it was different. It genuinely felt different. Yeah, yeah. People people like things that feel different. Uh, all right, I guess with that, we can hop into what we read this week. I know the chat actually wanted us to talk about Spider-Man, which came out, uh, what is it, last week, and we weren't here. So yeah, let's fucking talk about Ultimate Spider-Man yeah, it was fucking great. Yeah, it was fucking great. It was everything I thought it would be, but delivered in a way that I was deeply not expecting. Mm, it definitely. Shockingly, it's much more about Uncle Ben. Yeah, it's not really even about Peter at all. It's about Uncle Ben, who survived in this universe, survived long into his life to become a widow, thanks to the machinations of the Maker's Cabal and everything that was happening in the other Ultimate books. That's frame dressing is the thing. You don't yeah. really need it, and that's kind of the best about it. Yeah, they they kind of just gloss over it. She, Aunt May was killed in like a terrorist attack per perpetrated by Tony Stark, or at least they, they think he did that, but yeah. And uh, yeah, he's now the editor, managing editor at the Daily Bugle. Yes, very much so, where he is best friends with J. Jonah Jameson, who is nicer to Peter than he has ever been in anything. He, he's like his second father, yeah. He is his, I love that, our Peter has two dads in the universe, how about that? Yeah, that's cool. Who he will be leaning on now more than ever because he lost Aunt May. Also, an interesting thing too, this is probably the longest that they've let Ben live and be a character mm. since the original Ultimate Comics. Yes, yes. Which is so weird to see, and also, the way they write Ben is pretty compelling, too, where it's like, oh, he's not as, like, touchy-feely emotional as, like, May would be. He parents Peter much like men of his generation probably would. Yeah, we have also have to think that, like, he's also been hardened by the fact that his wife was killed uh, in a horrible, horrible accident and, like, like ripped away from him uh, when she she probably wasn't meant to be, and yeah... Also, too, uh, the idea in this universe is that Peter actually had, like, 15 years with his own parents before they died. Yeah, he, he grew up with his parents before they died. Who, I'm going to assume, maybe aren't S.H.I.E.L.D. agents in this universe. I hope not. Yeah, I, I think Hickman knows not to do that. But yeah, a very different sort of Peter, raised in a very different way, completely free of a lot of the guilt that defines his character, yet given whole new psychosises and hang-ups. He is basically the ultimate 30-something of our generation, Matt. A man in arrested development with failure to launch, dealing with a midlife crisis, staring down the barrel of 40 and feeling like, you know, he was denied his chance to do something better in the universe. Yeah, and he doesn't understand, or he didn't up until he gets given the, the box from Tony, understand what was missing from his life, only that he knew something was. And yeah, it's mm. it's it frustrated him not to know what it was. And the fact that he almost feels guilty about feeling that there's something missing mm. from his life because he has a good job, a loving family, a nice house, two mm -hmm. children. It seems like he, by all right, has it all figured out. And yet none of it 
makes him feel fulfilled. A, a great thing that I didn't even catch until someone pointed it out to me is that in the scene where the uh, the bugle is getting hostile taked over because, you know, they're asking too many questions about the Iron Man terrorist attack. Peter's been working at that paper for 20 years. He's not even in the room where it happened. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. even get a say in it. Yeah, he he's for all intents and purposes, just like a, like a bullpen reporter. Yeah, he he is a cog in the machine. Twenty years later, he has no upward momentum, mm -hmm. and I'm like, man, what a what a great read on Hickman about men our age, where it's like, yeah, you know, I probably should have moved up by now, but my fucking boss and my boss's boss won't die and retire. <laughs> Another really interesting thing I I honed in on was the fact that this Peter, we're not really we're not showing it at all this episode, but he doesn't seem to. Uh, have the same sort of technical know-how as Alipides. He doesn't seem Ooh. as... I, I wouldn't say he's not as smart, but he hasn't shown us that he has an interest in science and, you know, stuff like that. We we know, uh, what is it, from the other Ultimate story, he did go to the science fair the yes. day he was supposed he to be was bitten in, when by... When he was in high school, yes, yes. Yeah, so maybe at some point he did, but clearly something changed to where, yeah, is he even a genius in this world yeah. anymore? I don't know. Yeah, which is that's, that's really leave, exciting. Yeah, did did he leave that by the wayside, his scientific uh, leanings, because he didn't need it because, you know, he was happy and content and didn't need it to become Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited to see what they do with that, because like, yeah, Spider-Man's like whole deal is like, oh, he made his web shooters, he's made the costumes, mm -hmm. always made like the items he uses against villains. Like, how is a Peter who doesn't have that knowledge do it? You also got to wonder, too, uh, in this universe, will he make his own web shooters or will they be organic? Mmm. Mmm. That's interesting, yeah. I I have to imagine they were part of that suit that Iron Man gives him. Yeah, quite possibly. Which also, man, you know, in just a short amount of time, the way we see how 20 years without a Spider-Man has affected everyone else, there is a Matt Murdock in this world. He's a priest. He's he's still blind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's still blind. He's a priest. Which, which, what a motherfucker for him. So you mean to tell me that in this universe, the truck accident still happened when he was a kid, but Maker took out the special stuff in the chemicals so he I didn't get powers? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I guarantee you that is what, what happened. Like, yeah, he, he, what a, he, he just got like acid or something splashed on his eyes or something. <laughs> What a what a poor bastard. Uh, Harry is in this universe who is actually thinking wistfully of his dead father, which is really compelling because it's like, oh, so in this universe, Harry knew his dad. His dad was probably like, you know, shitty Wolf of Wall Street dad anyway, but he never knew him as a goblin. So perhaps, you know, the horrors of Harry's life weren't nearly as bad as they were. Though maybe they were because we also have a goblin in this story and obviously Harry is the most likely of suspects. Oh, it is. There's been art revealed that shows the goblin without his helmet on, and it's Harry. Oh. Though though this uh, goblin might not be as villainous as we are yeah, led to believe. because Seems he only... like a vigilante. Yes, we see him attack Wilson Fisk, and who is clearly Don Rigoletto because of the eye patch, <laughs> who have been sent in by Maker's Cabal to try and shut down the paper. Can, can I say I love that too, that Fisk is still working with Don Rigoletto, the man whose neck he famously breaks in the Frank Miller years? Because that what that communicates to me is, oh, even in this world, Wilson Fisk the Kingpin never became the Kingpin. He also 
Arrested Development failure to launch. He's still fucking working under Rigoletto all these years. God damn. Yeah, he's he's like yeah, just like a lackey now. And I yeah, that, again, that's that's Maker's uh, doing. Which wow, I never thought I would feel bad for Wilson Fisk. Where it's like, yeah, man, you're supposed to be the kingpin. You're supposed to be so much better, but you're a fucking shit kicker for the Maker's cabal. <laughs> You you poor bastard, you never seized that brass ring and killed your own boss and took his place. <laughs> but yeah, that's really cool. Uh, we, we don't get as much time with the children. We get more time with Richard than we do with May, the daughter. And I like that uh, his son is a literature nerd. Yeah, he, he, he seems like a bit of a, a genius a little bit. So, I, mm. I mean, maybe all that stuff is still there for Peter or, or it's passed on to his kids. Maybe his Quite son possibly. builds him the stuff. Oh, that would be fun. I mean, he's out there reading Tale of Two Cities, the uh, unedited version. <laughs> Which in my mind, I'm like, nerd, but so is your dad. But I like your nerdy in the different direction because you care about stories and shit. <laughs> also, the fact that he had like the, the ball of mysteries that told him the secret truths of the universe, but he was just like letting his kids play with it at breakfast, almost like he was trying to deny it, where it's like, look, if yeah. they don't pay attention to it, then it's not real. It, it doesn't exist, yeah. <laughs> It doesn't exist. Also, what a great concept, too, that becoming a superhero is now allegory for, like, a midlife crisis for Peter. He yeah. didn't get a motorcycle or a tattoo. He decided to start fighting crime. It's a great evolution on how, when it originally started, it was, like, it was like going into puberty sort of mm -hmm. thing for, like, a young Peter Parker. It was his transition into, like, a manhood, whereas now it's, yeah, it's going into, into, into a middle-life crisis. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, we've updated his conversation with Mary Jane is great too, because like they have this conversation yeah, without yeah, saying yeah, what no, they really yeah, mean. No, no, they have a conversation. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the interesting thing. They have a conversation. I know, right? How <laughs> fucking wonderful is that? And you know, no, not any other time we've read them in the last like twenty years, where it's like you're talking, but you're not really talking. You're talking yeah. at each other, or a writer is talking through you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, where we can actually feel the real people here and uh, MJ being like, well, you know, you supported me when I quit my job and started a new one, which in my mind, I'm like, okay, what job do you have? Because you've been a model night owner, assistant to Iron Man, soap opera star. What do you do in this universe? <laughs> in this universe, she's, she is still jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> She's still Jackpot after this. Oh, she's an online gambler. That's the thing. She Her screen name is Jackpot, and she's just really good at it. <laughs> She, she plays poker. She's fucking excellent at it, Mary Jane. Great poker face. <laughs> it's like, you know, you supported me, so I'll support you in whatever you're doing. So nothing changes between uh, you, me, and the kids. And I'm like, oh, what an interesting spin on with great power comes great responsibility. Because it's like, you have so much to lose now, Peter. Is it more responsible for you to do the hero thing and, you know, try and put back into the world that was taken or is it less responsible to put your family and everything you've built in danger just because you're all in your feelings i know it's oh, so good it just it just kind of works so doesn't good. it like clearly clearly hickman thought about this put in the work and clearly people are responding to this in droves we can tell just anecdotally from our own videos where I'm seeing people comment who have never commented mm -hmm. before. Yep. You know, lapsed comic fans who remember reading the old Ultimate, like my buddy Johnny, who hasn't read it forever but wanted to hop back in now. So clearly, the bold move paid off and a lot of people are interested. But, you know, we've kind of been here before with other series that promised like this. I have to wonder, 
will they stick around issue to issue? Will they remember to come back? And also, hey, Hickman himself, how long do you think he's down for Spider-Man? Because he's a dude who's always got new projects in the fire, always doing big sweeping stuff. Uh, he's not been shy to say he wants to write for DC at some point in mm -hmm. the future. So, like, how long are we going to have him? And if he leaves, will A, the book survive, or B, you know, is there a line of succession? Yeah, it... I I have to think he he will stay on at least for a, a like a volume ten issues or whatever to like make sure it's all like set up and uh, kind of like what he did with Kr the Krakoa era though I think in the Krakoa era there was a bit more like office politics happening in that I think well, and also he was just done too where it's like I yeah. told the story I wanted to tell I'm done and he was there for a while he was there for like three years it's yeah, like yeah, yeah this is a good. This is a good, sizable run. I'm going to hand it off to other people now, which is totally fine and totally within his right. Even though I'm sure many people would have been like, no, we want you to keep writing. You know, don't d don't upset the apple cart. Don't hurt the goose that uh, lays the golden eggs. And you have to wonder, is this going to be a similar thing with Spider-Man? Because, you know, he's one of the few writers who, you know, actually has a big enough stick to swing where he's like, mm -hmm. OK, I'm done now. I've said everything I want to say. Yeah, I... I would assume he he would do that with Spider-Man, just write like you know ten or so issues, you know, a good chunk of it, because he also has to come back and do like the Avengers stuff. Because remember, there yes. there is in this in this Ultimate Universe there is an actual like was it it's like a two year gap where they had where yes. they because of the the incident with the Maker and and all that where they where they have like if they run it like the original it's going to be running in real time. So maybe he's got two years on the book before doing also the Avengers book. And also, how much is that maker stuff going to actually affect Spider-Man? Mm -hmm. Because one of the things about the old Ultimate Universe is that even though other in other books and you had your ultimatums and you had your ultimate crises and everything else there, at the end of the day, none of it really affected Spider-Man that much. I have a feeling it will affect him quite well because like there's that part in the book where uh, Tony is talking to Peter and talking about how this man stole his life and stole mm. the thing that he has been searching for so i have to imagine that all of the i have to imagine all of these characters will have some sort of personal gripe against the maker and that's what brings them together as the avengers or whatever the hell they're going to call themselves mm -hmm. quite possibly the sky's the limit for this one that's for sure yeah yeah all right, so there's Ultimate Spider-Man. Everyone can't say we didn't uh, shortchange you on that one. I know a lot of people wanted to hear our thoughts on it. And honestly, I could fucking talk about it forever because there's a lot of great stuff to theorize about. <laughs> so good. I can't wait for the next issue. He's fighting Shocker next issue. Which, of course, makes sense for Shocker to be the first uh, yeah. villain for him yeah. to fight. Yeah, it's going to be cool. <laughs> gonna be... And I like his costume. It's all uh, Spider-Man's costume is just all black. Yep, no logo, no nothing. He hasn't decided on anything yet. Yeah. They, they don't even use the word Spider-Man, which, because I don't think he's going to have a career as a wrestler in this, how how did he come to the name Spider-Man? How did he arrive mm. at it, I wonder? I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, because they, they actively go out of their way to not say the word Spider-Man once. I mean, yeah. it could be pretty obvious, where it's like, hmm, I'm a man, I buy a spider, Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I, I have to reckon maybe one of his kids comes up with the name. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds like or, a kid. Even the costume seems or, like something a kid would design. Or they'll do like the, 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 the Superman Daily Planet thing where like Ben Parker will come up with the name and put it on the front uh, of the paper or something. 
Also, hey, wouldn't it be interesting in this universe? What if Ben thinks Spider-Man is a threat and a menace, but JJ thinks see, he's cool? So, see, I had this theory because, like, they make a big point about in the book that uh, that Ben knows uh, Harry and, and like, yes. knows the Osborns. I had a theory that, like, oh, maybe he's, like, bankrolling Harry's turn as, like, the Goblin. Because he, he's targeting Fisk and all these people that, like, kind of wronged him and everything. Yeah, Ben's happening. enemies are the ones under attack. Yeah, yeah, if that keeps happening. Yeah. And make 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 yeah. Ben a villain. Ben becomes yeah. the oh. goblin. Oh no. Also, Harry and Peter are not friends in this universe because yes. their lives took different ways, which is also really interesting because it's like Peter doesn't have a lot going for him in the main universe half the time when it comes to jobs, money, love, children, mm-hmm. career. But he always has friends most of the time. Yeah. Did you also notice in that memorial scene you can see George Stacy in the background? No, I didn't. I totally missed George, so he's still alive too. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and that, that's, as we learned from Cross the Spider-Verse, is a canon event. It's gotta happen. Well, it's a canon event according to a crazy person, so, you know. <laughs> that's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a person living out his own bullshit and making it everyone else's <laughs> problem. Maybe maybe this will be the world that will be different. Maybe that idea has accepted into Hickman's mind. Hey, s- someone call Hickman and ask him if he's seen Spider-Verse and what he thought about it. <laughs> Because, I don't know, maybe he's like uh, O'Hara. Maybe he's like, no canon event. It does need to happen. <laughs> I'm going to kill that old man. I'm going to kill the shit out of that old man. You you wait and see. I'm going to drop two buildings on him. <laughs> Survive that. <laughs> uh, I guess another book we had this week will transition on over to stuff from this week. Uh, I had Nightwing 110, which is a tie-in to Beast World. And I'm going to come out and say it, the best tie-in to Beast World. Yes, this deals with uh, uh, Damien being turned into, like, a cat person, which I learned, uh, I haven't read the issue yet, Uh, apparently Tom Taylor was getting death threats over this. The fuck? Don't know why. Why? I don't know why. But yeah, him and and his wife were getting death threats over this. Because people who fucking hate Tom King are the fucking weirdest fucking people at all. Yeah, Tom Taylor has the weirdest... Yeah, Tom Taylor has the weirdest relationship with some people. Some people yeah. really do not like him, I, I, and I, I, I do not get it. Yeah, I can't fathom why they don't like him. Yeah, he's pretty quiet. He's pretty easygoing, yeah. and yet he inspires so much friggin' frothing madness at the time. Weird. I, I hate to say it, but I think it might be also stemmed from the fact that he's a straight writer. Sometimes, sometimes writing uh, queer characters, and they yeah. sometimes don't like that. Maybe, For which is weird, because it's because it's like, guys, he's been nothing but an ally. He's shown yeah. nothing but respect yeah. every step of the way. I mean, internet. I mean, what the fuck are you going to do? But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this issue is great. It's the official introduction of Apex Ava, even though she mm-hmm. technically in the backup of the last issue. She is a woman who we discover was bitten by the same monkey that gave Beast Boy his powers. Only she is a fucking maniac who hunts animals for sport and when one of the spores almost grabbed her she fucking ate it and gained a fraction of beast boy's power including the ability to manipulate spores oh damn so she is super fucking powerful and you're thinking like wow what is she what is she gonna do with this power she uses it to open a beast person fight club of of course of course that's what you do yeah, to make money off the crisis, and her prize fighter is Damien, who she managed to kidnap. And actually, hey, 
that actually tracks really well with Damien's character because we know he's a vegetarian and an animal lover, mm. so he takes the abuse of these animal people very seriously. Yeah, oh, that's cool. I like it, and hey, this is also a reunion of the Super Sons because Nightwing is sure to call in John the Superman to be like, hey, we need to find your best friend Damien. Yeah, yeah, cool. And also reminding us, too, that before he went to the Injustice universe, uh, Nightwing was John's mentor. Yes, yes, he was. So we get back in that, and it is just a feel-good issue from start to finish of all these characters hanging out and doing the hero thing, and it's funny and action-packed and really works, and Ava is a super cool villain with a great design, and she also, like, literally flies away at the end because oh my beast boy powers don't stop at being able to control spores i can just turn into an eagle when i want cool flying away <laughs> catch you next time i will be a villain again john john gets the best moment in this too where it's like how are we gonna stop uh apex ava you know she's just gonna move her fight club now that we got her and john's like that's cool i'll just pick up the fucking arena they're in and fly it where you want it i'm superman <laughs> yeah you see sometimes you forget that <laughs> Yeah, and Nightwing's like, God damn, it's good to have Superman as a friend. <laughs> Can just move shit whenever I want it. But yeah, excellent tie-in, uses the Beast World stuff to excellent effect. Uh, it's one of the best tie-ins because it's a tie-in where you f basically forget it's a tie-in. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Really good. Nightwing continuing to move from strength to strength. Even if you're not reading Beast World, check this one out because there's a lot to enjoy in this. Oh, oh, and uh, Tom Taylor makes another Gail Simone bear reference this too <laughs> the 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 champion of the beast person fight club they give her a big intro and it's like she was a hairdresser being of the fight club with 10 kills it's gail the bear woman <laughs> and i'm like man i wish i was best friends with a writer so they would just you know have our twitter inside jokes written into big comics oh that's great <laughs> it's beautiful it's wonderful time nightwing N nightwing kicks ass especially kicked ass as a real solid one and done. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. What did you have, Matt? Uh, I had Superman issue 10. I had this too. Again, what another really fun one and done issue this yeah. was. Yeah. Superman goes to the wild west. Hell yeah, he does. And Joshua Williamson flexes his fucking nerd dick by bringing back Terra man, Terra man of an old Superman villain. I love that. Clark is like, wow, I'm trapped back in time. I need to get back to the present. Hey, don't I know a cowboy supervillain from this time period with a time machine who I can beat up and take it from? <laughs> I do. It's Terror Man. Yep. And his freaking horse. God, what a, what a 70s deep cut. It's pretty great, eh? What a god. And his costume doesn't change at all, which I love. Yeah, it's still really gaudy and like flashy because it's Terror Man. <laughs> Mm -hmm. What else would he be? They yeah. have pistols at dawn, and Superman gets shot the hell up, and Marilyn Moonlight's like, I didn't. <laughs> I, ju I just kind of hoped I absorbed enough sun that that wouldn't kill me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I always just use my my smile and my cape to like uh, like make me uh, make villains underestimate me, and it works every time. Every time, ninety percent of the time, it works all the time. <laughs> We also learn Marilyn Moonlight's origin, and apparently this was her origin we were watching because yeah. she kind of crossed her own timeline to inspire herself to become a hero. I, I thought that was so cool. <laughs> nice touch. Where it's like, oh, you wanted the origin? Well, you were watching the origin the whole time. You just didn't know it. Yeah, and, and in a neat little, uh, like, uh, sort of divergence from, like, a usual superhero story, she got a happy ending. 
Yes, she did. She actually died after fighting the good fight forever, only to be resurrected in the future as a weird science ghost, and now she needs to yeah. right what went wrong so she can rest in peace again. And I'm like, well, that sure sounds like a solid pitch for several spin-off series. Right? I'm like, why is why is she not have like a, a spin-off series or like why is she not like like a series of backups in like action comics or something? You know, just something to give us a bit more of the, and they even like tease us here. Williamson teases us with like, oh, she fought like, uh, Grafton Farm's mother who had like a Metal Gear tank sort yeah. of thing and like had all these adventures in the Wild West. And I'm like, there's your end that you, you can bring back the DC Wild West stuff. You can have, oh, yeah, and Nighthawk and Cinnamon Jonah. Can come back, Jonah Hex and all these characters can come back. Do it, do it yeah yeah i i would be all for that and yeah yeah th that whole flashback there is like yeah so here's the here's our backdoor pilot for a series <laughs> if you would want it and yes i and do want it i i do actually want it again great design great origin just bullshit all around and then you know the extra cherry on top of the sunday is at the end of it oh it's the lex luthor revenge squad fully assembled yes and they don't come to kill superman they come to try and recruit him which only makes sense because in their minds, who hates Luther more than him? Yeah. Who do you think the mystery guy in the, uh, the uh, Lex Warsuit is? I was going to ask you because I imagine yeah. as the bigger Superman fan, you would have more insight yeah. than me because, yeah, I, I was at a loss. I think it's Letitia Luther. Yeah, it's got to be his mom, right? Yeah, because she, she was she, being she a total got, bitch to got, him. Got introduced. She hated the fact that he gave up the company to Superman. Uh, she hates what her son has become as a hero. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Who who hates Luther more than his own mother? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which, oh, if you want to create sympathy for Luther, that's a pretty great way to do it. Your <laughs> mom joined a club dedicated solely to hating your guts. <laughs> That that'd be pretty funny, and yeah, the fact that it's like an old Luther War suit is like mm -hmm. an extra middle finger too on top of it. Yep, yep. Yeah. So yeah, that that was a winner. I loved that one. Yeah, it's a ni nice one and done. Yeah, book continues to be strong, man. We we are just like an embarrassment of riches for great Superman stories right now, aren't yeah. we? And we got that new House of Brainiac event starting in April. Holy shit! Yeah, it keeps on coming. Uh, speaking of events that I don't love nearly as much, Gang War is still plodding along in Spider-Man. <laughs> this this issue, man, this last one, issue 42, never have I read another issue that has just reeked more of defeat in its entire life. You can almost <laughs> hear and see Zeb Wells just throwing up his hands and being like, I don't fucking know anymore. Do, do you think he knows? It's like, okay, this is going to be like the week after Ultimate Spider-Man. No one's going to give a shit about this book. I'm done. Quite possibly. <laughs> Quite possibly. So, like, the last two issues, it was a big deal because it's like, oh, Kingpin's back in New York and, like, oh, he's throwing his into the gang war and, you know, oh, he has enough power turn the tide because he's the new white king of the hellfire club and everything and he has typhoid mary with him holy shit you know is he gonna make a power play is he gonna back his son and it looked like he was going to for two issues where him and like uh tombstone have like a fist fight you're like oh this is kind of cool because you know kingpin was always the guy giving orders and tombstone was always the guy taking them but now they're on the same page and everything Literally, this issue just opens opens up with Kingpin going, lol, nope, just kidding. 
I actually had no interest in getting involved in the gang war at all. In fact, I'm here to get my son, the Rose, out of it because I don't want him to die and I'm trying to protect him. And I still think Richard is a bitch all this time later. <laughs> <laughs> and I was actually just fighting uh, Tombstone and Spider-Man just, just a pastime, basically. <laughs> and that's over now. And now I'm leaving. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? But it's okay, though, because Spider-Man points out that that was dumb as shit, and why did you waste two issues doing that? See, it's funny, because the book realizes that it's terrible. It's funny. <laughs> Aren't you laughing? Aren't I'm you laughing, though, crying, Matt? Crying, crying. <laughs> this is the moment where I'm like, okay, so Zeb Wells has just thoroughly had his spirit crushed by editorial and having to write this book, where he's just, like, straight up being like, I know it sucks, what do you want from me? Yeah, I can't do much because fucking powers that be want this and i don't want this <laughs> and it's also like was kingpin only here because echo came out was that why they needed him to be on the cover mm. of two spider-mans is that why that and probably uh i know he's on like a couple of covers of ultimate spider-man as well and people are like oh shit that's awesome yeah I, I didn't even think about that at the time i'm like is he only here because of that yeah but yeah Long story short, Kingpin's plot went nowhere, Richard is gone, so now the last two standing are Beetle and Madame Mask, and they have a really unnecessary, we're not so different, you and I moment, and I'm like, and I'm like, yeah man, I know they're not so different, because I actually pay attention and everything, and I could see the parallels you were writing before, Zeb Wells, why, why are you stopping the story to tell this, and I'm like, oh right, because totally given up now and now you've given up on subtlety too explaining a thing you didn't need to explain because you actually wrote it good previously <laughs> yeah they just sit around it's like yeah both our dads are narcissists they only see us as extensions of our themselves and i'm like yeah i know yeah i know <laughs> you didn't need to tell me i know that's why there was a germ of an interesting idea of having these two fight each other and now <laughs> Now, now you've done away with that, and also Spider-Man pops in for a second. It's like, I, I need to get revenge for Randy. That's why I'm here because he got this, shot. Remember that? This is my book. I remembered now. I remembered, and then it all ends with them being like, "Fuck it, let's just fight in Central Park. Your guys on one side, my guys on another. <laughs> We're just gonna fight it out in Central Park. Winner take all." And I'm like, "All right." And there's still two more issues left. Oh man, is that like two more issues of Gang War left, or like? Yes, yes, two yeah. more issues of Gang War Because I know gang, gang War was, like, fucking massive. Yes, I know, where the tie-ins were obviously much better. The Miles book continued to be really good. Yeah, I hear nothing about nothing but good things about the Miles book. Uh, they brought the Rabble back. The Rabble has actually been working with uh, Kingsley, the Hobgoblin, who has kind of taken his wing as a mentee, and she's actually arming the combatants for that final battle in Gang War, but also uh, the artist cannot fucking draw the rabble to save his life, so she looks goddamn horrible. Oh, no. Because, like, look, I get it, the character's a little over-designed and a little weird-looking, but holy shit, does she look bad in uh, that last issue of Gang War. <laughs> Just, like, looks like someone half-remembering a Gundam from memory. Oh, no. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, but yeah, so Amazing Spider-Man. It's no Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> I'll tell you that one for free. Oh, man. <laughs> and uh, and I had one last one after this. What about you? I, I had two two more. And uh, something that was really good, Shib Zdarsky's new Avengers book, Avengers Twilight. 
I haven't read that yet, but I flipped through and it looked really interesting. Oh man, it's 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 so good. So this it's is, it's forty pages. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, it comes with a backup that's actually a reprint of an old story. So oh shit, for real? Fine, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's uh, it it takes place in the future. It's uh, basically it it's looking to be sort of similar to uh, like Marvel's version of like a Kingdom Come, more Ooh, or less. All right. Um, uh, and we follow an old Steve Rogers, really old Steve Rogers, uh, who's older, yeah, who's living in in the future. He doesn't have the super soldier serum anymore. It's like left his body and left him with like so many different medical problems. Um, he has a wife now named Rosa. Oh shit! Uh, who's oh. also sort of like his nurse a little bit. Oh, <laughs> um, and we find out he's living in a future where it, it it's kind of Orwellian. Uh, of course yeah you can't have uh camera phones or like 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 phones anymore because they're illegal because of freedom of speech uh mm. and, and like like how the government doesn't like people like recording them or anything because the, <laughs> the government's all now run by like the fbi and new shield oh hey good to see shield back in something um and uh steve um, goes and meets with his old friends luke cage who is now he needs an exosuit to walk because his bulletproof tough skin uh began to harden and it made him oh, that's so he, bad. he couldn't walk and he he looks like uh killer croc now he's got like oh like yes scaly, i did see that scaly like arms and everything and they meet with matt murdoch who's opened his his law office again to try and combat this government and everything and I'm just just to get it out of the way. It's really funny because Chip Zdarsky like says that about Matt Murdock, and then a couple of pages later, kills him off panel. Uh, because I wrote his book previously, <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to write him anymore because I've wrote what I want to write about him. <laughs> That's funny. I I, I can uh, appreciate that. <laughs> and yeah, they they're all just like talk. It's all, the the big theme about this is like is like being out of time and being like like the old guy like you know your, your mm. ideals are old but it's interesting because all the ideals that cap is like talking about are literally just telling the truth being a good guy because none of that is is evident in this future world because they've got like uh news stations who are just reporting like really heavily doctored like news reports of like ah the new avengers are like breaking up a hydra you know bomb ring and it's all like very corporate like sound bites and everything um oh geez i've never seen that before <laughs> yeah 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 the, the, the one thing that sets steve off and it's sort of like the the thing that catapults him into the book is that they start running a doco series on red skull and they've mm. started to frame it that red skull was a hero who was working oh, from within fuck. the third right to take down hitler and oh and, jesus and, and heavily implying that people like captain america were preventing him from stopping that <laughs> yeah i can see how that would probably push him too far yeah, he kept like that's he wanted to take out hitler so he could take over the nazis you know they, and move them in a better direction yeah yeah he's 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 not happy about it at all so he ends up going on like fucking bill o'reilly news <laughs> thing where he meets uh james stark the son of tony stark and janet van dyne and, and he's a total fuck boy. oh man oh man. he is like fucking crypto bro tech billionaire dude i i, he, I saw it when i was yeah. flipping through it i'm like oh yeah that's a character we're meant to he, hate <laughs> he, he's not even like iron man he's he he just builds tech with him and we learn how he builds the tech and it's really fucked up um but it's it's great because he's just like poking steve because he knows like oh he's a boomer i'll just say okay boomer okay boomer 
and he and we learn the the big incident that caused this future to come into play is called h day which is when ultron backed a bunch of villains and enhanced their powers and abilities and then outed every hero's secret identity oh um, shit and we actually get a flashback where the avengers are trying to like um respond to a uh mind controlled bruce banner in boston and they end up turning up late and uh captain america turns up and finds spider-man and he's dead and oh, just, just before he dies this, this is at a point where in this universe they don't know each other or that he they don't know each other's secret identities so peter right. peter and his like dying breath doesn't want anyone to know about may parker or mj or any of those but he but cap doesn't even know who this guy is only knows him as spider-man the best of us which is what the story is called hey <laughs> yeah and he yeah, uh, cap's got to deal with like the ptsd of that because he was one of the few survivors of that and right, uh, he f- fucking hates all, all all the stuff that james is doing and he ends up getting beaten up by a bunch of shield soldiers before being saved by the defenders who hey. they're not the defenders you think of because they're just like a bunch of like cloaked beings that uh luke cage is running and, oh shit and we right find, find out that luke cage since he can't like punch things anymore he's become a spy master and, and he's been running like like ops getting intel on um on like shield and like what they're doing because they they're like they, the new avengers are like discreetly invading countries and, and oh, running bad. and running work camps where they take americans who don't agree with what they say and chuck them in work camps and stuff like that and obviously captain america doesn't like that sort of stuff and, naturally and, then, and the back of the book is like kind of rushes through the fact that like oh they've managed to create a new super soldier serum and they're going to give it to cap because he's the only one who can do it and cap just right. kind of like okay we're going to do this and i'm going to assemble the avengers again and we find out that uh james stark he's he's keeping tony alive well alive quote unquote it's like his disembodied head in the raft uh, walt disney and special <laughs> not only that we find out this guy is like completely bankrupt of any of the stark genius and what he's doing is he's using a device that allows him to enter tony's mind and he's just been taking ideas tony has had for like suits and technology and passing them off as his own ah so just like all the ai bros i'm not creative exactly. so i've developed a way to steal creativity from other people exactly exactly well fuck all yeah. right that sounds good yeah i'm down for that it's i'll probably read great. that tomorrow it's so fucking good <laughs> damn it chip zadarsky you done it again yeah and i like older i like that older steve rogers kind of sort of looks like uh stan lee a little bit yes he does yes you're his, with his big glasses right. and and like the suits he wears kind of looks like stan lee a little bit yeah wow well said yeah. enough said in fact yeah <laughs> it, it, it's a fucking great book all right, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, another book I read this week, uh, the last book I read, in fact, before I jumped on, uh, X-Men 30, which I didn't even know X-Men was still going. I thought it was yeah. all uh, Rise of the Powers of X, yeah. X, all of the House of X. No, this book is still going, and you could basically call this issue Jerry Duggan's Housekeeping. Because there's several things we never answered going into the big end of Krakoa, and there's a couple things that still need to get done basically <laughs> mainly mainly hey remember that orchis was holding humanity hostage because they put a kill switch inside the life-saving mutant medicine and if the yes. mutants tried to fight them or tried to come back to earth they'd kill them yes so we never dealt with that problem in the other issues this issue is about dealing with that problem oh really and they deal with it in actually a really fascinating way 
so remember all the way back when this series started, they fought the High Evolutionary who came to Earth with a biobomb and he was going to kill all humans? Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, Sync figures, hey, so if he had a bomb that could affect every human on Earth, what if we stole that bomb, retrofitted it, and then put the cure to the kill switch inside it? Because our big problem is, is that we're hated and feared as mutant kind right now. Even if we... There's no, you know, uh, there's no guarantee that humanity would A, take it, and B, that if Orchis caught wind of it, they just wouldn't kill switch anyway. Mm-hmm. So we have to disperse it, you know, kind of friggin' stealthily. So it's Sink and Talon going all the way to counter to try and get a biobomb. And they do, but along the way, Talon gets killed. Okay. Because, you know, Talon's kind of an extra X-23 right now, so we kind of need to clean up a lot of these superfluous characters. Mm -hmm. She's dead, quote-unquote. But because Sink is so powerful now, he was able to copy Xavier's ability to, you know, uh, what is it, create imprints of brain. So he imprinted her brain, so now she just kind of exists in his... And the hope is is if they can get uh, the Mutant Resurrection Protocol back, they can resurrect her. So this almost feels like uh, Jerry Duggan being like, yeah, so we had to rush this story to an end, but here's a back door in case we want to do anything more with Sink and Talon in the future. We know they're pretty important, but most of us had to solve this one big problem. Well, shit, I might have to pick that up because that's all stuff that I remember reading because I, I jumped off on the book a little bit just because there was too many books for me to read. But oh, I since, hear you. since it's coming to an end, I might jump on it if it's like fixing all the stuff that like I remember reading, all that high evolutionary stuff, the Talon mm-hmm. stuff. That's all great stuff. Yep, this is this is a lot of housekeeping. I'm like, oh, is this what this book is? We got to keep house before the other stuff because it kind of feels like maybe we're rushing to the end of the Krakoa era because we need to get ready for X-Men 97 and a bunch of other X-Men stuff. Yep, yep. Cyclops has a funny bit in this too where like Dr. Stasis pays a psychiatrist to talk to him because he keeps going on about Jean. Jean's in my dreams and she's gonna come and give us food and water and smite our enemies and it's like is he is he sane enough to stand sham trial and get executed? You know what? I don't care. <laughs> I, just, I just love that. Just Scott losing his fucking mind in yeah. Orch's prison. Also, shit, Orch is paying for psychological care for their prisoners. Jesus Christ, are they better than the American prison system? This sounds like it a little bit. Oh, uh, geez, this guy's too insane to execute. <laughs> Even in our sham trial, maybe we'll have to wait a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll just like I don't know, plant some crack on him or something. Say say you like you lunge at a guard or something. Yeah, <laughs> fentanyl. I I smelt fentanyl in the air, <laughs> which we know is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, we we found him hung in his cell, even though after like in his trial he said he would never commit suicide. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's perfectly good. Like again, I don't think you're missing anything by not reading it. But mm-hmm. if like if shit like that bothered you that they never dealt with the kill switch, they dealt with it. They just dealt with it in another book. I honestly thought they had already dealt with it. Nope, they didn't. I thought they did too, honestly, because yeah. it's like well, why else would the mutant revolution be starting now if it wasn't a problem? And then I had also forgotten because so much shit has been happening in X Men. It's like oh yeah, that. That was, you know, Orchis's big master plan, wasn't it, to fuck with the mutants? If you rise up against us, just kill every human on Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I did did think about like, no, they had that that bomb thing in the human's head and everything. It's like, oh, they must have sorted that already. Yep, they did. They sorted it in this book officially. That's the yeah, big right. thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, what was the last book you had? Then we'll talk about what's coming out this week. The last book I had was Superman Lost Issue 10. Oh, yeah. Is this the finale or are there still two more? This is the finale. Oh, shit. All right. So, yeah, this this was one of your favorites of last year. Oh, man. And this final issue is easily probably my favorite of the week. Well, hot damn. Yeah, it's uh, oh, it's, it's it's pretty good. So, uh, last issue, uh, Hope, the Green Lantern that Clark met on uh, Kansas, comes to Earth, and uh, she's pregnant. Um, so oh. obviously, a lot of people have a lot of questions for this woman. Um, mm-hmm. but they are stopped in their tracks because Superman learns of a civil war breaking out in random generic nation from dc country a stand yeah 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 country a stand so he uh with having seen all of this happen on kansas and animal actually goes and gets involved and bruce uh keeps telling him the justice league do not get involved in geopolitical conflicts and superman's like <laughs> fuck you they do don't i'm fucking doing this and he, get, he gets maybe involved. we should he gets involved but then priest also keeps it well within superman's uh uh like he, he it's still within his character where he he basically says i'm going to stop this conflict and it's up to you to stop the next one and, uh, and it's nice. done it's done really it's done really really well where he uh, where he he confronts them and 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 says that you need to get rid of old quarrels that you probably don't even know why you were fighting it was like your father's yeah. father's like it doesn't matter anymore think about yeah. the future and then yeah he, off the lex luther stuff in this book is kind of weird because it's i thought i was missing a page because it's, oh, yeah? it's one page where uh clark comes to see lex because lex uh pretended to give uh, uh lois cancer and like just to try oh, and no. bait him out and like all this sort of stuff and uh don't give lois cancer and, and he, he 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 um monologues about how superman dealing with that that threat in uh the other country was like masterful it was like marcus aurelius and all that stuff still <laughs> all these lex luther stuff and and superman just goes like lois beat you that that's that's that's, <laughs> that's funny uh, that's funny that lois lane beat you you know this you're this master tactician and lois lane beat you and he 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 makes this really great threat which is it it feels like oh, holy shit superman made an actual threat where he's basically says he's been trying to figure out what sets lex off about him and he can't right. ever figure it out but if lex keeps doing what he's doing he's going to keep thinking about that and lex won't want that because then <laughs> superman's entire attention will be on lex and that's something that villain will not want Oh, that's good. That's really good. I, I think so little of you because yeah. I'm Superman and my yeah. attention is pulled in a million different directions. But if I get really laser focused on yeah. you, you if, are if, if, if you try to pull this shit with Lois again, I'm going to like, yeah, I'm going to focus on you. Mm-hmm, but you yeah. don't want. But it feels weird because then it just smash cuts to stuff with the Justice League. And, huh. and it feels like, oh, we needed that like extra page where like Lex kind of like goes all like you know spazzy yeah i can't figure out why superman beat him or anything because he just can't figure that just not doing anything is how he was beaten and everything you 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 wanted that moment from batman the animated series with uh with the riddler where it's like how did he figure it yeah 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 where he just like smashes his desk up or something yeah yeah yeah, uh, the, that'd be the, cool. Uh, the rest of the book is uh, the Justice League, thanks to the Lanterns and Hope's Ring, found where Kansas is, and they all plan on heading out to go and help the planet because once they get there, because of time, 
dilation, they'll arrive in the past and be of able to course. help the planet. Um, but Clark doesn't go with them because he knows that by the time he gets there, there will be a red sun and he'll be no help. And there's Yikes. this great scene, great fucking scene between Lois and Clark for like the first time in the issue where Lois has been like trying to find out if that baby is Clark's and she can't really get, yeah. a, get a right answer from the alien woman. And it's frustrating the shit out of her because Clark is just Naturally. so calm about this. He's just so neutral to it all. And <laughs> and she, she, she breaks down and tells him he has to go and help because not because of his powers, but because of his symbol of hope on his chest, because that's, that's his real power to bring that right. symbol of hope to people so so clark ends up going and then she goes and does her like story stuff and then clark comes back and he's like different and lois immediately picks up on this and be like you fucked with timeline didn't you you fucking did something <laughs> and he fucking did um we find out what happens on their way to uh kansas superman and hope stopped uh pulled themselves out of hyper time and used uh the the green lantern ring that can travel at like warp speed to travel back in time to the events of issue two where he gave <laughs> uh the coordinates to earth to the salvages that found superman initially when he got sucked through the black hole and into deep space so now mm. they just they can just deliver superman back to earth and he's only been gone like two days so he's completely so fine superman back on earth gets gets to be with lois lane the Superman that came from Kansas, however, uh, lives to be an old man inside the black hole because he never found his way back. But that oh, was shit. always the plan because then he was going to be a warning to the other Superman that would come through the black hole through the like the time loop um, to be a warning that they this is what they will become if they continue along that path. So they he kind of diverges them to the right path and That's some hard-ass science fiction oh fuck yeah oh yeah yeah so essentially superman becomes his own symbol of hope wow and we also learn that the baby was not his the baby oh. was jimmy's the kid ah. the alien kid that uh hope actually murdered and she we find out her species can like like reproduce through like some type of cloning sort of thing and she found some of his hair on a hairbrush interesting and, and um she she wanted to do this to atone for the fact that she murdered him and right. as well being that uh this this kid was an arcasian on kansas it also meant that the arcasians and the republic the two warring factions came together at the birth of this child who was a child of both places oh all right i see it and so she gets her baby the 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 the, um the planet is saved by the justice league and then superman also gets a superman also gets to go back home to lois and it all it all ties up that that sounds like a book that would be really good to read now that it's done and you can read it all in one sitting absolutely absolutely well all right then so big big ups for matt and it was christopher priest not being cynical Yeah, which is very interesting for him. He's really hopeful. Yeah, a lot of his work, and I love a lot of his work, but a lot of it is fucking cynical. There were parts of this big book that were very cynical, but yeah, whenever he was writing Superman, it was never cynical. It was always symbol of hope, inspiration, and it was great. I think that's the infectious power of Superman. You can't help but uh, get a little less cynical when writing him. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I guess with that, too, we can talk about what's coming out this week so people can get excited again. Uh, when I say this week, I mean now if you're listening to this back later Wednesday when I drop this on the audio channels. 
So some pretty big titles this week. We got X Force Forty Eight Target Beast. Yes, X Force is also still on right now. Uh, so they, I, they're going after Beast, are they? It looks like again. Hey, we're wrapping this up. That's the general. I'm getting a. They're still running out. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Hey, remember when Beast committed war crimes? Well, we do, and we're 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 here to collect. <laughs> to which I say, which war crimes? <laughs> That's true. Which, man, that'll be really interesting, too, because it's like, yeah, what the fuck are you going to do with Beast? How are you going to hit the reset button on maybe one of the most popular and beloved X-Men characters who you took down a very dark but very interesting path where it's like, how do you get this back? <laughs> yeah, just having, say, all my stars and garters and swinging from, like, rooftops or something, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whackity-schmackity-doo. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Now, I imagine there's going to be some backup bullshit. Like, now we backed up his mind somewhere. Yeah. We have Beast here. We, we, have, we have old Beast on, on, on file, yeah. On, on tap, just in case. <laughs> uh, we got Green Arrow number eight. He's fighting on a monopia. Yes, please. Yes, yes, yes. Immortal Thor number six. The continuation of this. That book is also moving from strength to strength. Yeah. You got The Flash number five. Nice, nice. That's going to be good. Uh, you got Batman Brave and the Bold. I don't know if you're still reading that, but uh, that'll... Uh, I haven't read it for two issues, but yeah, I should probably get back on it. Superior Spider-Man number three. Titans Beast World five. Resurrection of Magneto number one. Oh, nice. Which again, who's uh, who's writing this one? This this is Al Ewing. I want to read it, but I don't know if I'll understand it because this looks to be more of like an X-Men Red continuation. Well, I think all you, all you need to know is that he died. Well, they, I do know that. He died because they, they on Araco, they don't have the backups. Yes, because him and Storm actively took themselves out of that running. Yeah. Uh, we got Punisher 3, which has actually been really enjoyable mm -hmm. from uh, David Fafos. I, actually, saw, like, I saw art from, I think it was that Timeless issue that came out recently with like yes. future Luke Cage, and it had fucking Frank Castle back in the War Machine armor. Well, we don't know if it was Frank Castle or not. We just know well, that... He was, he, was uh, fighting, he was fighting Joe. Yeah, we know Joe Garrison will be fighting a Punisher in the War Machine suit, yeah. so is there some time travel fuckery? Is it Frank? Is this a new guy in the old costume? Mm. Basically, this is them telling us that, hey, Joe will be sticking around for a little longer at least. Yeah, yeah. Which, that's fine by me. Uh, what else we got going on here? Actually, it looks to be a pretty pretty light week this week. We got Star Wars Thrawn Alliances, number one. We got a new Thrawn book coming out. I didn't know it's that. It's an adaptation of the uh, novel. Oh, they've been doing well, that's that actually with, They've been cool. doing that with all the Thrawn stuff, yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I think that's actually everything this week. I think it's actually a pretty light week, and thank fuck for yeah. that, because I have so much backlog <laughs> I need to get to. I know, I'm still, I have like a couple of issues from just like finishing up the, the, the recent Star Wars Dark Droid stuff, but I'm like, it's got a couple more issues to go, but then they keep bringing out new issues, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank, uh, thank merciful God for something a little bit easier to digest, <laughs> so, uh. So yeah, thank everyone for coming and hanging out with us. The show's been going on for almost two hours this week. That's what you yeah. get when we talk about Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, hope you all like the show. Again, it's on Spotify. You can listen to it there. Uh, Matt and I have been doing a new thing with the audio, so if the show sounds better now, that's the reason why. Yes. Yes. So that's good. As always, if you're a patron, you'll get to listen to the show back before anyone else in audio and video format. We try and put that up for you. It's still the best way to see the show and support us outside, you know, just coming out Saturday at 10 when we do this. Yep. So yeah, check that out. 
Sub to Cape Joel Extra if you haven't, and uh, hopefully uh, we can get some more stuff coming down that pipeline soon. So yeah, any uh, any uh, parting thoughts, Matt, before we end this one? Uh, coming this weekend, I think it's this weekend. I'm I, I'm just I'm going to be streaming that new Suicide Squad game when it comes out. In, I think like a couple of days for me. I'm not sure when it comes out. I've got to check. Um, but yeah, right, man. I'll be uh streaming that. I'll be, I'm going to be trying to do couple more streams over the next couple of weeks because there's games right that, that that are coming out that i do want to stream and that's like the first big one that i want to stream well, there you go well subscribe to fortress of solitude if you haven't everyone and go support yeah. matt and tell him we said hey so so that'll do it for us everyone again be sure to join us next week same comic multiverse time same comic multiverse place bye-bye everybody see ya